0: Your views, your news, your limerick today. With Gillian Devlin, in for Joe Nash on Live 95.
1: Now I'm delighted to be joined in the studio this morning by the leader of the Social Democrats, Holy, Holly Cairns, Holy Cairns. Holly Cairns, you're very
0: welcome to the studio this morning. Thank you so much, Vivian. Uh, Can I just start by congratulating the Limerick team and all of their fans on their absolutely stunning four-in-a-row victory. Um, They're just unstoppable. It was amazing, amazing to arrive into Limerick last night and feel the atmosphere, It's just incredible and it's really, really lovely to be here at this special time for Limerick. I'm just delighted for them. Yeah,
1: just to let you know, I mean, we don't always walk with such a big bounce in our (laughs) piece. If you're watching the streets of Limerick, everybody's going around with big smiles. And we're generally fairly, you know, reasonably happy people. But uh, this week is a a special time to visit uh, Limerick. So tell us why you're in Limerick, first of all.
0: I'm in Limerick today because it's not my first time in Limerick, but it's my first time as leader of the Social Democrats visiting Limerick. And as you know, Councillor Elisa O'Donovan is a representative for the exact area that we're in right now um, in Limerick City West. And yeah, I'm basically here to support Elisa. She's a brilliant candidate and we're really delighted to have her as a local representative and a representative of the Social Democrats. So We're going to go around Limerick. Uh, We're going to different organisations. We're going to go to DOCUS and to Headway. Um, So DOCUS is a representative organisation for autistic people or people with autism. And we're going to go to Headway, which is for people with acquired brain injuries. And another thing, because Elisa, as you know, is a health worker in Limerick. And one of the things she's always kind of feeding back to the party is the pressure and stress that health workers are under, particularly in the Limerick area. Um, another thing she's really passionate about is the arts so we're also going to go to Ornston House and Lumen Street Theatre and then we're going to visit a few local businesses as well so we're going to Rift and uh, Press Flowers by Nell and another few places so I have a really busy day ahead. You have, but you certainly
1: I'm have yeah yeah a lot, lots of things on here. the agenda. Um, how many members do you know do you have roughly in the in the Limerick area?
0: I don't have that figure, actually. Um, I'd need to check with head office the, the number of members we have in Limerick. Sorry, I don't but have you, that you that's fine. Yeah. But,
1: but you have had other candidates before. I remember Sarah-Jane Henley did very well going back a, a few local elections yeah. ago. Um, would you be hoping to have more candidates in the local elections
0: next year than Elisa? Absolutely, Gillian. And one of the reasons that when the position of leader came up in the party, and it was a, a big moment for us the party when Catherine and routine stepped down because they're two of the most kind of honest and hardworking parliamentarians in the country. And a lot of the reason many of us, I think myself and Lisa, Elisa like joined the party. So an emotional time when they stepped down, but in considering whether or not to go for the position, I really thought about it and, you know, it's a it's a big thing to take on and all of those mm. things. But one of the reasons I decided to do it was I think that, you know, we often see the polls and the, the different kind of figures that come back. But we never look at the number of people who are undecided voters and that is the type of voter that I really relate to because four years ago I was I had no engagement or real interest in politics. Um, how I got into it is another story, but I think for a lot of people it doesn't really feel like politics particularly listens to them or hears them or feels them or really represents them at all. And for so many of us, it's you can kind of tune out and you hear the same kind of jargon and political speak and all of that stuff. And I hope, as somebody who four years ago was not engaged, I can reach people who weren't engaged, because I'm always trying to say this, and it's something that Gary Gann, another TD in my party, says, you might not have experience in politics, but all of us have experienced politics. So that might be on a waiting list, unable to access housing, unaffordable childcare and even your employment, all of these different things. And I want to say to people who aren't necessarily involved or engaged in politics, the tide is turning in Irish politics now. We want you to get involved. If you want to see the same kind of change as the Social Democrats, a positive and a progressive change, please get involved and join us. And we need candidates all over the country because one of the advantages of having a new party is, you know, a lot of people want something new and fresh, but also we need to build. And to do that, we need people to get involved. And I can tell your listeners, it feels like it, but you do not need a special invitation or qualification to get involved in politics. Politics is for everybody. And you can be as little or as much involved as you want, you know, there's not door knockers, there's Mm counters at the count, there's candidates, there's leaflet droppers, there's chairs of branches. It's very varied and it's really fun to get involved. What about the
1: Social uh, Democrats though? Because they they are a relatively new party. Mm. They're seen as a party that split from Labour and then took members from other parties, joined them as well. I mean, defining your brand, are you just kind of a a, a modern, well-branded version of the Labour Party or how do you differentiate yourself? differentiate yourself from other parties.
0: There is a big difference between us and all the other parties d- despite what lo- what you're saying there and I, I understand where you're coming from. Um but like just to explain to your listeners as well, Catherine Roushin didn't go about setting up a party for the crack. It's a really huge job of work, you know, to build from from zero to where we are today and I certainly didn't get involved in politics for the crack either. It's it's hard work, but it's because I thought we needed a change. And when I was looking at the different parties to see where I would get involved because as an independent you can't really achieve a a policy position or implement something in government. So I thought it was important to join a party. I wouldn't have gone into it if the Social Democrats didn't exist. I wouldn't have found my political home. And I think what it comes down to is in Ireland, I think a lot of us felt betrayed by our political parties. Trust was broken and trust is the most important commodity in politics. Um, So I think there was a need for a new party that was It's principle like guiding principles are honest politics because that I finished school in 2008. I remember just feeling like the words political party were almost dirty words, that they were, you know, kind of you know, the brown envelopes, all of this stuff going on. We had all of the different parties in government at different times, and you know, parties who we might have trusted or aligned with, like in 2011, 2016, we had. The Labour Party in a government and they actually sold board. Gosh, that goes entirely against the principles of social democracy. So, like, actions speak louder than words on a policy document, and we wouldn't do things the same way as them. We'd do things differently. And our kind of guiding principles would be honest politics, building a more progressive that's, Ireland, the kind of Ireland you could stay if you live here, move to, come home to. Yeah, child- that's fair, Holly. But, yeah. it, but,
1: you know, you have to accept, I suppose, that we now live in an age where all governments are formed by coalitions. So, yeah, every party when they get gets into a, a coalition have to make a compromise. Yes, okay? and perhaps Labour has had to do that in the past. The Social Democrats are going to have to do that if they ever get into government um, themselves. So you know. Down the line, you haven't been in government yet. Down the line, you could be in the same position as the Labour Party, where having you know having to justify compromises. That you've to, made.
0: absolutely, and I suppose it's about the compromises that you're willing to make. And look, I think one of the things I didn't fully understand is like because you know we talk about politics and all the different parties all the time, and this sounds like I'm going to be a long answer. So this this will be short, trust me. But like, there's the right and the left, and what is the difference? And we don't have extreme right politics polit- political parties in elected in Ireland, but. So, you know, on the furthest right of the spectrum, you'd have Fine Gael and they kind of privatise our public services. And that's their kind of ideology. They think that that's the best way to govern. And then tax breaks. So, you know, that's the kind of policy that they have. We'd be on the other side of that, that we think we need to build public services in order to make your cost of living lower and guaranteed health services, education, housing, things like that, rather than leaving it up to the private market. So, to apparently be a socially democratic party, go into government and privatise something like board, gosh sell all of our wind farms, imagine when we get back from that now. It's about what compromises you're willing to make, what red lines you have. Okay.
1: And so, does t- that mean no, no coalition deal with Fine Gael, ever? I
0: think it's important to talk to every party and the least you uh, kind of owe voters of Fine Gael is to at least kind of have a discussion. But when there's a kind of critical mass of a Fine Gael being the main party in government, it, we're not compatible with their ideology, so it's diff, it's difficult to imagine the conversation not being very short. But it's really important to talk to everybody, because like okay. you say, politics about compromise. What it comes down to is the arithmetic, so how much impact can you have on a government? Are you going to get into a government that's going to privatise something like wind energy? it could like that's the kind of that's thing we big should issue invest for in us
1: here in limerick well exactly. we, we, because we keep hearing that you know the foynes estuary uh, the, the shannon estuary and foynes and all of that that's the future of yeah. ireland's energy provi- provision
0: exactly and it's about how far you're willing to go because also in that government there was a, the issue of um single support for single parents being massively reduced and like when you are supposed to be protecting the most vulnerable, the single biggest determining factor as to whether or not a child grows up in poverty in Ireland is whether or not they're in a single parent family, also whether or not their parent or parents has a disability. So that's the kind of people you target support at, not reduce support at in times of austerity. So I think it's about the decisions you make. It's about trust. And when parties lose people's trust, where do we go from there so okay. i think it's important to be honest with people that they know where they stand that you don't make big yeah. promises that you can't keep that you're honest about where on money is generated on the wind
1: energy yeah. if private companies are prepared to put up the money would you not rather see it it happening let's say the you know the energy and potential that's there on the atlantic coast uh, through private investment than mm. not happening at all
0: I suppose when you put it, position it like that, of course we're you know we're in a climate disaster, and when we have things like bills coming in the door and you can't find accommodation, it's not the first thing on your mind. But like objectively, when you look at the bigger picture and what's coming down the line, it has to be a number one priority for any government, and it's currently not. So in that way, yes. But when you look at the current kind of financial landscape the government's in with a huge surplus and sixty five billion, we should be investing in wind energy rather than letting companies do that because. The dividends from that, the returns from that is something. If Ireland did that now with a surplus, we would get money back every single year that we could put into finally providing free childcare, into investing in our hospitals in the regions like Limerick, into education being genuinely free, into building more social and affordable homes, rather than spending money that we don't get it back from. If you leave a private company to do that, you allow private companies to reap all of the benefits from that. And we know renewable energy is the future. Why would we not as a country be ambitious about having that as a state-owned commodity where we can get return from it every year and put that into our public services so it actually reduces the cost of living for everybody living in the country? That's kind of fiscally responsible as well as environmentally responsible and all of those different things. So you said um, that it's
1: important to talk to all parties. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any red line in terms of who you would
0: not go into coalition with? Our red line issues are policy ones. And like I said, it's okay. the most difficult to imagine us going into a government of Fine Gael in terms of how far our ideology is for them. But like, red line issues for the Social Democrats and one of the reasons we left the talks for the programme for government during the last ones was Fine Gael's approach to housing and Fianna Fáil's approach to housing. We couldn't go into a government that wouldn't change its tack in a disaster like this. Uh, Slaunch care is an absolute red line issue for the Social Democrats. The fact that our health services are constantly in disarray we know that there'll be a trolley crisis again in Limerick this winter. What the about Sinn Féin? What's the where, where do your policies align with Sinn Féin? We have quite a lot of similarities in terms of policies, but I do have concerns as well, you know, in relation to all of these things you don't know until you go around those kind of tables and have the discussions. Um, climate is something that's quite concerning uh, in relation to Sinn Féin policies. I'm not clear on where they stand on many climate issues. Um, so they're all things that would have to be hashed out in those talks for a programme Look, it's kind of like, um, you know, we've again lots of similarities, but in terms of climate action, and this is one of the main reasons I got into politics. I grew up on a small farm in Cork Southwest, a small dairy farm that became completely unviable due to government policies. I think when you're making changes to address climate, there's ways of doing it and the ways of not doing it, but. I I understand, like,
1: no politician leader of any party wants to say, we'll go in with this party, we won't go in with that, because we don't even have a general election in front of us in the next couple of months, Mm. we think. Um, But at the same time, from a voter's position, there are voters that I'm hearing saying, Mm. well, there's absolutely no way I'm voting for X party, I don't want to see them in government, and I won't vote for Y party, whatever. So they actually want to know, you know, well, if I vote for the Social Democrats, they could end up doing a deal with the devil.
0: Well, I would be really honest with your listeners and say I would talk to every party and I think that's really a really important thing to do in politics. Um, and if that puts you off, that puts you off. Okay. But I would talk to them. Like I said, the it's conversation I would say with Fine Gael would be quite short. Okay. Um, so,
1: the Elisa Donovan is your candidate for the next local elections. Um, what about a general election and what about the election for the re- directly elected mayor, which we don't have a date for yet, but we've promised it. We've been promised it will happen. The legislation is. We've also been promised we're going to see fairly soon. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the Social Democrats will put up a candidate for the local, ele- for the a general election, or for the directly elected mayor?
0: Um, first of all, just on Elisa myself, and Elisa first got elected in the very same election, the 2019 local elections, mm. and she's somebody who's always stood out to me as just an incredibly diligent, hard-working and impressive councillor. She did um, leave
1: the Social Democrats for a while.
0: She did briefly, but she's back and I'm absolutely thrilled yeah. that she is. Uh, can't tell you how much I missed her. Um, and we're really, really happy that she's back and I think she'd be an incredibly strong candidate for the general elections in Limerick. I think she'd be an incredibly strong candidate for the mayor of Limerick as well. Um, she's a tireless campaigner on things like health in Limerick as a speech and language therapist in the area. She knows the impact, the struggles in University Hospital Limerick are having on patients mm. and their families, um, as well as the impact that it has on staff in the area and just a really vocal advocate on that not to mention all other things Limerick and I just think, you know, particularly like in Irish politics we've seen the same people elected over and over again and we know that it's oftentimes kind of men going into their dad's seats and like bringing that kind of experience and stuff I think is valuable, you know how the system works and all of that but our representation is not representative of The constituents that we have. And, you know, I always talk about this like this, you know, in Cork, I'm the only woman representing the largest county in the country. There's no women elected in Limerick City or Council. Elisa is a councillor for this area. There's seven representatives for Limerick City West, one woman, Elisa. And I just think it's high time we saw better representation. I always say we need more men all. And a woman like Elisa would be a really strong advocate for Limerick. And I think you know what? One of the things I've learned from canvassing through repeal, marriage equality, the local election, the general election, and now as a new leader of a progressive political party in Ireland, if you offer people a progressive alternative and have open and honest conversations with them, there's a very good chance that they'll vote for that. And I think Elisa is a really, really nice option for people in Limerick to be able to vote for something progressive, put someone new with a different kind of representation and experience, for example, in healthcare rather than just in a maybe, you know, political dynasty or whatever it might be. I think she could bring well, something would, really valuable. But what would you valuable.
1: rather see? Would you rather see Elisa as a as a TD representing Limerick or as a directly elected mayor?
0: Oh, very tough call because I think the thing is, and look, we spoke about that Fine Gael Labour government, the abolition of the town councils and taking away power from local government was a disastrous decision. I'd put it up there with selling board, gosh, you know. Like in the regions and in areas like I live in a very rural constituency in, in West Cork, it's had a massive impact because centralised model doesn't work for us and I just can't tell you how strongly I feel about the need to bring power back to local government and to have a directly elected mayor is a really crucial and key way to do that and I think that Elisa would be a fantastic representative from Limerick in that way and I suppose because my mind focused as the new leader of the Social Democrats is I want that critical mass when I go into those programme for government talks to have more TDs that I have been focusing more on thinking about general election seats but like, when you put it to me like that, it's a tough call because we really need that for the regions to to encourage balanced regional development and actual autonomy over how budgets are spent in areas and, you know, that with that real ear to the ground on what's needed. You know, things like that Elise has informed me of over the years. I visited Limerick as a TD rather than as a party leader, met with loads of local groups here and speaking to the group who are campaigning for diabetes services in Limerick. I couldn't believe that that wasn't there. And I just think she'd be an amazing advocate for the area. With a real ear to the ground and things like that, so that's a classic okay. example of a politician. I do your question, I can't decide. <laughs> All right, can well, I look, split her into? Yeah,
1: <laughs> we will. We will um, watch the space. I suppose. Um, thank you so much for joining us in the studio and best of luck on your tour ar- around Limerick. I'm sure we'll hear more from you between this and uh, the next elections next year.
0: Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95.